This is Masters of Dispute Resolution on PodClips. Masters of Dispute Resolution is designed to provide those involved in the mediation process with the views of the most experienced and accomplished mediators and others experienced in the process. Through our discussions, you will gain insight into how to address and overcome difficult issues and achieve more satisfying results in mediation. Your host is Len Levy, mediator and arbitrator with ADR Services, Inc., a leading alternative dispute resolution provider. Lynn litigated complex cases for more than 30 years and has been a mediator since 1998 and is a member of the National Academy of Distinguished Neutrals. He has been recognized as a super lawyer in alternative dispute resolution each year since 2014. And now your host, Lynn Levy. Thank you, Daryl. Welcome everyone. And thank you for joining us on Masters of Dispute Resolution. Today, we're going to be discussing a subject that mediators deal with regularly bringing parties into a settlement range and to guide us through this we are going to have a conversation with a very good friend of mine wendy kramer who is one of the most effective mediators in the field of dispute resolution a full-time mediator with adr services and uh, who is well respected uh, through throughout the entire mediation world. Uh, in her former law practice, Wendy handled a wide variety of insurance-related matters, developing a great expertise in personal injury, business disputes, professional malpractice, landlord-tenants disputes with habitability issues, and complex commercial litigation. Uh, I met Wendy through our involvement in the Southern California Mediation Association, where in 2013, Wendy served as president. She's also been ADR chair for the Santa Monica Bar Association, been involved in the Los Angeles and Ventura County Superior Court ADR programs, and has been a fee dispute mediator for the Beverly Hills Bar and Santa Monica Bar Associations. Wendy is also a member of the prestigious International Academy of Mediation, where she has been on the Board of Governors and currently serves as chair of the mentorship program. Wendy has mediated over 3,500 matters and arbitrated over 300. She's known for her ability to deal with difficult personalities, multi-party matters, and complicated uh, legal issues. Her areas of expertise are many and uh, include vehicular accidents, premises liability, insurance, employment, real estate, professional malpractice, business, and assault and battery. Thank you for being with us, Wendy. I really appreciate you being on this show. So, Thank you, Len. That's a, quite a glowing introduction. I hope I can live up to it. I am sure you can. Uh, you, Everyone has always set the bar high, and uh, some people, I think, um, have just not quite understood that Wendy is up to almost any task she undertakes. So... Um, in, in any event, I, I would like to have people get to know you just a little bit better. And uh, 
your background uh, as a, a litigator has, I think, uh, assisted you in, in becoming more realistic uh, in terms of practical outcomes. Uh, is there anything else about your background that people should know? No, I think that that really sums it up. I practiced um, primarily insurance defense litigation for nearly 20 years before I took my training to become a mediator. And I also did some cases on the plaintiff side so that especially near the end of my litigation practice so that I could really see how both sides operated and, and what the, the concerns were. And so that really does inform my mediation practice is the practical aspects of being a working litigating attorney on both sides of the bar. And, and so in your general approach to mediation uh, is, is what? How would you describe it? Well, I think it's twofold. I think not, or fourfold even, really. There's so many layers. I'm trying to help not only the parties that are involved in the lawsuit, the underlying you know, plaintiff and defendant, if you will, but also the attorneys and the insurance professionals, understanding what they have on their plate in terms of their day-to-day -day law practices and insurance um, business to get the case resolved and move on to the next one. It's, they, everybody's overwhelmed with the day-to-day -day business of being litigators, and so I see my role as being very multidimensional. I'm trying to help everybody out, frankly. You know, a, a lot of people don't really quite understand how the, the mind of the insurance adjuster or the people on the insurance side, uh, how, how, the, how the minds work. And they, they tend to kind of pigeonhole them into uh, thinking, oh, well, this is the way the insurance industry operates. Uh, where is that wrong? Well, they're not the enemy. Um, I think the most effective uh, results achieved in mediation are when the opposing party recognizes that they need to cooperate with the insurance side of it to get them everything that they need to adequately evaluate their case and so that they can get the most amount of uh, money in a settlement if that's what they wish to do rather than move on to trial. But both sides seem to be suspicious all the time of each other's motives. Not all the time, I shouldn't overgeneralize, but much of the time. And I think from the insurance side of that lens, it's, when you think about it, most insurance adjusters have pending caseloads of anywhere between 80 if it's like a large loss unit, all the way up to 150, 175 claims. And obviously their job is to try to settle those claims for the lowest possible dollar so they can maximize their um, settlement rates and their profits and keep their insurance rates low and they're overly scrutinized by management. And so it's, it's a tough job. I wouldn't want to do it. And um, then they're just continually piling on more cases. So they're stressed out and they're looking at every claim trying to find holes in it, you know, and, and with disbelief. And and that's something that we as mediators have to try to overcome, to try to put a face on the case and get it out of that queue of, you know, a hundred and some odd uh, claims that they're adjusting and get them to focus on the case that's before them and, and, and make it come alive. How do you go about doing that? 
I think a lot of listening, active listening, which we're taught, of course, and a lot of questions. Um, if there does seem to be um, some sort of disbelief going on on the side of the defense and the insurance professional to find out why that is, what do they have? Do they have sabrosa? Do they have um, social media that makes them disbelieve this person really injured? Or are they making some conclusions based on information that, that might be potentially erroneous? And I'm thinking of something that just happened the other day where it came to light that the plaintiff who was injured in a pretty significant car accident had started physical therapy and suspended it for about three weeks because she traveled out of the country to visit her family in Mexico. And the defense side of that was really questioning that. But when you ask questions of the plaintiff and find out what's going on here, what's more important, you know, getting treatment for this injury or seeing your family, you come to learn that, you know, she hadn't seen her family in, in many years and somebody was ill in the family. I can't remember if it was a mother or a father or an aunt, an uncle. And, and so it was very important to get down there and attend to that. And once you put a face on that, then it's like, okay, well, that's not really showing what I thought it was, that this person wasn't really injured and didn't really need that physical therapy to recover from their injury. You try to give them more information. Look, I, I'm chatting with Wendy Kramer uh, about the uh, idea of bringing the parties into a settlement range. And this is Masters of Dispute Resolution on podclips.io. When we return, we're going to talk about key reasons that parties don't settle and how the people can be brought into a, a settlement range so that they do. Masters of Dispute Resolution would like to thank ADR Services Incorporated, your partner in resolution, and its founder Lucy Barron for supporting this podcast. ADR Services is one of the leading providers of alternative dispute resolution in California. Leveraging technology to drive resolution, ADR Services is committed to dynamism in the face of growing client need and an ever-evolving legal climate. Now operating offices in all major legal markets of California, ADR Services provides unparalleled in-person and remote resolution services through its exclusive panel comprised of more than 130 of the most distinguished and talented neutrals across the state, capable of handling challenging and complex mediations, arbitration, and other procedures in every field of law. When you seek the services of a neutral and you want results and satisfied clients, contact ADR Services, www.adrservices.com. All right, Wendy, we are back on the Masters of Dispute Resolution with Wendy Kramer, and we are going to be talking about key reasons why parties don't settle. And one of them is the, uh, it, it comes off a refrain that I hear very often, and I think you do too as well, which is, uh, looks like the parties are so far apart. I, I, we're too far apart to settle. Wendy, how do you respond to that? You know, it, it seems like there's a pattern uh, that exists with negotiation. So, you know, in a mediation, of course, we, we start out with talking about the facts and the, the lawsuit and what's gone right, what's gone wrong. And, you know, ultimately, though, we the, the switch gets flipped and it's time to, to negotiate. And, um, yeah, it, it seems inevitable that the defense registers the opening settlement demand from the plaintiff with shock and awe. And 
and um, can't believe that, that it's happening, and they're asking for policy limits, and, you know, there's a lot of chest pounding that goes on. So I think it's a good question. How do you get people to calm down and, and focus on the task at hand? Um, and I think part of it is to get people to understand why that settlement demand is so high. And many lawyers on the plaintiff's side simply need to, and on the defense side, demonstrate that they are really being strong advocates for their clients. So from the plaintiff's point of view, what's the strongest position to take in front of your client? Ask for everything that you could possibly get in a lawsuit, and that's policy limits or some very high demand. doesn't mean they're going to stay there. They just want to demonstrate that they're being aggressive and, and, like I said, a strong advocate. And the same on the defense side. They're going to maybe start very low, which will be extremely frustrating for the plaintiff's attorney and the plaintiff's client, as the, as the case is not necessarily worth $10,000 when there's $100,000 worth of medical bills or, or some such, in a, for an example, in a personal injury case. So I think that explaining to the parties why they're where they're at and then guiding them to discourage being reactive and to be active. So what I and that's how I reframe it. I say your settlement offers and demands should be based on logic. So I'd like to bring you back to logic. And that means, you know, what are your damages? Um, what's the future look like? You know, what are the costs that you've incurred? Those sorts of things. So that we can then build settlement demands and responses to those that are more founded in logic rather, rather than reaction to something that's just simply unreasonable. So you encourage the parties to give explanations to support the demands, correct? Is that yeah, essentially what you're saying? And, and often I get pushed back. Nope, that's just what I want to put up there. You know, that's fine. But I, I try to, to do, I kind of like to teach a bit and explain, like, what do you think the reaction is going to be in the other room when you, when you, when I bring that member in, is that going to be, is that what you want? Because, you know, I, I, that's what I predict is going to happen. And then sometimes people will, you know, they'll say, you know, well, let's think about it. Maybe on the next move, we'll, 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 we'll follow your advice. So it's basically getting everybody in the same boat that I've built and getting them to row in the same direction. Um, and another technique, of course, and this usually isn't, fairly early on, but well into the negotiations, is the use of brackets, Lynn. I, I know you use them as well, and sometimes those can be brought forward from one side or the other, or sometimes it can be a mediator's bracket, you know, where you think maybe we should have the parameters for this negotiation be X and Y rather than where you guys are at. And if you could get buy-in on that, that can get everybody back on track um, and into a reasonable settlement range. So using the brackets, uh, which sometimes I've, I've had people get really resistant to, uh, they, they look at, sometimes people look at brackets as, oh my God, you know, you're, you, everybody knows we're just going on the midpoint here and what is the use of brackets? Can you, can you explain how brackets can be effectively used to bring people into a, a bargaining range that is is more conducive to settlement. Yes, I think it's because I think they're useful and sometimes you need to do a little teaching because sometimes people just aren't good at math and they don't understand how they work. But I think what happens with bracketing is that people then have a game plan 
So yes, we're looking at midpoints, or maybe somebody is giving you a bracket and telling you, "Don't tell, you know, tell them we can't make that midpoint," or whatever the message is. But you then have a game plan, right? And everybody gets way more comfortable with life when there's a game plan. And that's the way I look at brackets. And I'll tell you a quick story. It's super funny. Early on in my career, I encountered somebody. Uh, I think it was a defense attorney who said, "I don't like brackets. I'm not going to use them." Yada yada. So I go back to the plaintiff's room and I say, you know, they're rejecting your bracket and they don't want to use them. And he, he says, well, go in and just say, what if? You know, what if I were to demand X? What would you offer? So the whole mediation went that way. I would go in one room and say, what if he demanded $100,000? What would you offer? And that, that defense attorney was comfortable with that. He just didn't like the word bracket. So sometimes you just have to rephrase it, and, and I've used that technique numerous times since, and I call it the what-if negotiation, and <laughs> it works. Very often, people people do not understand that you're using bracketing by another name. And uh, I've done the what-if and, and uh, had people come in and say, uh, well, at the end, when you say, well, it's now settled, and they say, well, what, what, what was what? the sequence of bargaining? Uh, uh, and and I'll say something like, well, you officially stated your original number and they officially stated their original number, but it's settled. I've had an adjuster say something like, but I need to get a, se- a sequence of bargaining down. I said, make it up, okay? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so that type of thing will happen when you rephrase what the bracketing situation is. So, uh, let me just say right now, I'm chatting with Wendy Kramer, who is uh, an extremely, uh, extremely high quality uh, mediator and uh, and arbitrator uh, about how to bring parties closer into a bargaining range. And uh, this is the Masters of Dispute Resolution on PodClips.io. When we return, uh, Wendy is going to be talking to us uh, about advice on how attorneys might approach cases uh, and uh, that they know must be settled, but the parties are very, very far apart. We'll be back soon. Thank you. Masters of Dispute Resolution would like to thank ADR Services Incorporated, your partner in resolution, and its founder, Lucy Barron, for supporting this podcast. ADR Services is one of the leading providers of alternative dispute resolution in California. Leveraging technology to drive resolution, ADR Services is committed to dynamism in the face of growing client need and an ever-evolving legal climate. Now operating offices in all major legal markets of California, ADR Services provides unparalleled in-person and remote resolution services through its exclusive panel comprised of more than 130 of the most distinguished and talented neutrals across the state, capable of handling challenging and complex mediations, arbitration, and other procedures in every field of law. When you seek the services of a neutral and you want results and satisfied clients, contact ADR Services, www.adrservices.com. We're back with our Masters of Dispute Resolution on podclips.io, and our guest is Wendy Kramer, uh, Wendy, what advice do you have for attorneys for how they could prepare for a mediation where the parties are too far apart, but they know their case has to settle? 
I think that you have to have a free exchange of information. I mediated a case yesterday that was just delightful because the plaintiff's attorneys, there were two of them, had gone out of their way to make sure that the defense people had every shred of evidence and document that they needed to address at the mediation, and vice versa. They had a very cooperative and respectful relationship. And I was told privately that, um, you know, one side wanted to get the case settled very desperately for certain reasons, and so, you know, that just helped me to have that information. And uh, it, it started out with, without that usual skepticism that we, have, we encounter, you know? So I think the biggest thing I would say is that to have a good relationship with the posting counsel throughout your lawsuit, regardless of whether you know one way or the other at the outset that you're going to need to settle the case as opposed to take it all the way to trial, um, those good relationships are building blocks for getting the best settlement for, for both, for both sides. Well, you, you know, what? one of the things about exchange of information that, that is, is frustrating to me as a mediator, and I'd like to know whether you find it is equally frustrating, is when you get confidential briefs from both sides that contain essential information and and show you almost right away that there is a miscommunication that can be cleared up. You found that in your experience, Wendy? Yes, I have. I find that every week of my in in my work <laughs> that there are miscommunications, and um, yeah, so that's why it's essential for us to read the brief and to figure out where those miscommunications occurred, and then address them right away to try to get everybody um, on the same boat. Like I said earlier, and you know usually what happens is there's been some sort of a rocky relationship that started early on, some misunderstanding between the attorneys or even the client when they reported the case to an insurance adjuster and things just went off the rails and then it just continues going on like that. And so it's our job as mediators to figure out why it's been rocky, what's the context for it, was it how far back did it go, um, and and unravel that like a you know ball of yarn and, and see whether we can fix it so that we can get focus to refocus folks to refocus on the four squares or the corners of what we're doing today rather than the past that mm-hmm. things went off the off the rails. And and what what could attorneys do uh, to assist in that? I, I mean they're they're obviously in the middle of a miscommunication and. Uh, things kind of build up in the wrong direction. Um, is, is there something that attorneys can do in preparation for uh, a mediation where things have gone off the rails that way? Well, I think they need to keep an open mind, and I think that they need to recognize that, you know, mediation involves compromise. So, you know, everybody comes in with this strong advocate approach of, you know, this is what my expert's going to say, and it's this way or the highway and vice versa. And so what I try and do is say, okay, but we're here to compromise. So what if your expert does say that and your jury or your your trial judge doesn't buy it? And and so, you know, if you're not going to accept that there's some risk of going forward, then we're not going to be able to reach a compromise. So if you're going to just continue to pound your, your chest and tell me that this is the way that you see it and you're not going to move at all, I'm not quite sure why you're here today. And usually that sort of you know, 
raises some eyebrows, but then they say, okay, yeah, we are here to get this settled, so, you know, let's move on and, and see what we can do about that. You know, it, it, sounds, it sounds like uh, what attorneys generally do is misunderstand a fundamental thing, and that is you're trying to persuade the other side through the mediator to come closer to agreeing to something you want. And so you're not in front of a jury pounding your chest. It's not the same thing. Right, and I think right? that sometimes attorneys, if they could kind of wrap their head around the notion that the, the mediator is not a trier of fact. We, we are not here to decide that you know, you're correct with regard to this legal theory and this fact, and the other side's correct with regard to that. We'll help you sort it all out, but that's really not our role. We're neutral. You know, we're not going to say you're right and you're wrong. Um, but, right. you know, in this day and age, everybody wants the mediator to be evaluative and to serve that role as well. So it's, a, it's kind of a, a, a fine line to walk, I think, that we have to do. It's a juggling act. When you say evaluative, I, I know there are different styles, and I've been guilty of applying evaluative mediation uh, techniques. Do you fundamentally uh, have a style of being evaluative or facilitative, or do you mix and match where appropriate? I think the latter. Um, I mix and whatever the parties need, really. But in terms of the evaluation part of it, I want people to understand I'm really just one other person, right? I, right. you know, and we don't have that many cases that go to trial anymore, so we don't have mm -hmm. a lot of verdicts to review to get case value, and um, so it's just one other person's opinion. But nevertheless, I think that that's part of what people want, what lawyers want from a neutral, is to find out what they think. But I, I prefer to give more like. What do I think of the plaintiff? Do they make a good witness? Do I think that they're going to resonate with the jury? Or do I think that they're um, not a great witness and they've been caught in some lies and, and they're not going to do well in front of the jury? You know, that sort of thing, rather than the actual dollar number of the value of the case. Well, Wendy, um, we, uh, we've been discussing an awful lot here uh, about bringing people together into the settlement range. Uh, what I wanted to ask you, wrap up what gives you the greatest satisfaction as a mediator i don't subscribe to the theory that the best you know good settlement is one where both parties are equally unhappy i really do prefer people to be happy so at the end of the day when i have that sense that people are relieved and they feel they've been listened to and they've been treated fairly and they've arrived at a compromise and it's acceptable to them my i'm as happy as can be um, and you can tell, you know, everybody's grateful and and they're ready to move on and they're putting it in their rearview mirror and, and it's just it's a fabulous experience. Well, Wendy, I, I will tell you, anytime I have a conversation with you, I consider it a fabulous experience. And I know that the people who have mediated with you in the past uh, and those who are going to mediate with you in the future are in for a real, real treat. Uh, there's a very good reason why I consider Wendy one of my favorite people. Before we break, and uh, we're, I'm chatting with Wendy Kramer uh, about uh, bringing the parties closer together in mediation, and uh, we're in Masters of Dispute Resolution on podclips.io. Um, but 
as we wrap up, uh, Wendy, uh, how can listeners contact you uh, to learn more? Oh, sure. Uh, my email address is wkramer at adrservices.com. And uh, my profile is on the ADR Services uh, website under Neutral Profiles. And I just want to thank you, Len. It's been such a pleasure uh, being here today. And I, I so enjoy our relationship and our friendship that's developed over these many years. And this has been a fabulous opportunity. Thanks again. Well, thank, thank you, Wendy. And I, I really appreciate the conversation. And maybe we can do this again in the future. That would be that would be fantastic. I'd love it. I'm up for it. In closing, I'd like to thank you, Daryl. Daryl Wayne, our engineer. Mark Allen, our producer. I'm Len Levy, and this is Masters of Dispute Resolution on podclips.io, powered by Infogen Labs, Inc. Stay well, keep listening, and remember, peace of mind is enhanced when conflicts are resolved.